Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Support for the California Report comes from Collective Health. American employers are in the healthcare business. It's time they had the technology to drive it. CollectiveHealth.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. And the San Francisco Foundation, working with its many partners to advance greater racial and economic equity for everyone in the Bay Area. On today's California Report magazine, a special investigation into the deadliest wildfires in the state's history. A team of KQED reporters combed through thousands of hours of 911 calls to reconstruct the night fires broke out in Northern California, burning across eight counties and killing 44 people. Many people didn't get timely warnings to evacuate. How big is the fire? Huge. Acres. Okay. Hundreds of acres. Listen, I Nobody's I got, been warned about this. It's I, like... I got called Why did emergency systems fail? And is the state prepared to handle this kind of disaster? 911 syndrome where people are very much used to dialing 911 and getting an immediate response. And in conditions like this, that, that is not a realistic expectation. Today, we're devoting our whole show to this investigation, a collaboration with Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. I don't know, ma'am. Our story starts on a Sunday night last October. Wildfires have broken out all over Northern California, and around 1 a.m., a woman in Mendocino County calls 911. I can see the fire. I've been trying to call 911 for the last 15 minutes, and nobody's answered. Ma'am, I understand. I there's, there's a lot of fires all over the county, so the best thing I can do is take whatever action you feel is necessary and appropriate, okay? Okay, the fire is big and I can see it right now. So I, I just don't know how close it is. Can you tell me where do, who do I call to find out how close and where, what I need no to do? No one. No one, ma'am. Literally, there are multiple A hot, dry wind is blowing, making this fire move fast. Thousands of people are in its path, and throughout the night, 911 operators are overwhelmed. They don't even know what to tell people asking how to flee the flames. You're just going to 
have to use your best judgment. That's the best we can do for you right now. I'm sorry. Reporters from the California Report and KQED spent months analyzing those 911 calls. My colleagues Lisa Pickoff-White, Suki Lewis, and Marisa Lagos reconstructed what happened the night the fires broke out by listening to thousands of calls and dispatch recordings, interviewing people who barely escaped those wildfires, and talking to first responders, residents, and state officials. Their investigation explores where the state fell short in preparing for disasters like this. Just a warning, we're going to listen to more of those 911 calls, and some of this may be upsetting. Marisa Lagos starts off our story in the hills above Santa Rosa. Greg and Christina Wilson spent October 8th puttering around their house. It's close to coffee shops and grocery stores, but from here, all you see are treetops and grassy hillsides. On Sundays, we hang out at home. You know, you watch football. I'm always working, so I was probably doing half work and watching football, whatever. They're in their early 50s. She's a mortgage advisor. He's a lawyer. They have a two-year-old dog, a shih tzu named Maximus. Max for short. They live in a tight-knit neighborhood up on a hill where neighbors take time to chat. And after years of work remodeling, their dream house finally felt fully theirs. On that Sunday, Christina stands in her new bright kitchen, looking out of the windows. It was a lot windier than normal, and it was very warm. It was a warm day. Christina doesn't think much of the wind, but all day long, state fire officials were standing by because they knew any tiny spark could spread quickly. Suki Lewis picks up the story now. You said Fulton. Is it Fulton way up by Old Redwood Highway? By late afternoon, though, dispatchers start getting calls of downed trees and power lines getting blown around. The winds are picking up and causing damage. As night falls... Tell me again what happened. Well, it looked like it was a big firework that went off, but it looked, I'm pretty sure it's a transformer. All right. We do have the fire department on the way. Stay safe and out of danger. What's happening here is that high winds are knocking down power lines. These send out sparks, starting little fires. Then as lines go down, the electricity needs to go somewhere, so it overloads other lines, creating power surges. Transformers explode, taking down more of the electrical grid. Power lines are down. Request PTD. One start shall be in about 20 minutes. As the state's fire agency, Cal Fire, gets these reports, they contact PG&E, the local utility company. Fire on the southbound side of 101, but due to power lines, Northbound shoulder is going to be on fire until uh, PG&E can secure power for us. They can't keep up. Information, we have multiple 911s ringing and not being able to answer. Around 10 p.m., things start getting out of control. It's like a game of whack-a-mole. And CAL FIRE is running out of people to send, even as new fires break out. To the point where CAL FIRE told us they've got no more resources, can't send to anybody. Lisa Pickoff-White brings us to CAL FIRE's command center in Napa County. Dispatchers answer the phones as fast as they can in the command center, where Unit Chief Annalee Burlew is on duty. All night. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, that is really the sound that I remember is just the phones did not stop ringing. The calls did not stop coming for help. Burlew consults a giant map of Northern California pinned to the wall, dotted with magnets. The purple ones stand for medical units, yellow for bulldozers, small red ones for engines, and big red arrows for fire. 
Burlew dispatches resources through a system that originated in California called mutual aid. Sonoma runs out of resources. What do they do? They call their neighboring county, Napa County, and ask for them to help. And Napa County would ordinarily say, sure, we'd love to come help you, and sends theirs resources. That's the normal thing that happens. But seeing this many fires at once, that's not normal. And then two more blazes explode almost simultaneously, about 30 miles apart. One of them is heading toward homes in Santa Rosa, a city of 175,000. So at 10.30, CAL FIRE starts calling local law enforcement agencies in Napa and Sonoma to initiate evacuations. Hi, it's Michelle. Hey, I need a reverse 911 done. Okay. So CAL FIRE needs it for the Calistoga area, mandatory evacuations. In this game of telephone, you can hear a lot go wrong. This CAL FIRE employee is asking a NAPA operator for a reverse 911. That's an evacuation alert that can target specific neighborhoods, warning people. Fire is approaching. It calls home phones. But only about half of Americans have landlines these days. Okay, I'm sorry, what's your question? Okay, so you say reverse 911. Are you aiming Nixall or? I need you guys to send out a reverse 911 so we can tell them to evacuate. Okay, I'm just not, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with what a reverse 911 is. I'm sorry. Here is another place we hear the system breaking down. The operator doesn't even know what CAL FIRE is talking about. But that's because each county in California, there are 58, uses different technologies with different names to alert people. To CAL FIRE, it's reverse 911. To Napa, it's Nixel. If it's going out to the public and everyone. Yeah, it needs to go to all their phones, landline and everything. Mandatory oh, landline. And evacuation, okay. yeah. CAL FIRE is requesting an evacuation order, but it still takes an hour before law enforcement officials in Napa issue text alerts to the public. They won't call people on their landlines until the next day. Over the course of the night, delay and confusion happen again and again. Here's where Marisa picks up the story. Right, and it didn't just happen in Napa. Back at the home of Christina and Greg Wilson in Sonoma, the phone rings around 10 at night. But it's not county officials calling. Yeah, I got a phone call around 10 o'clock from one of my friends who lives about three miles away. And she's like, you know, I see fire in the distance and it looks like it's coming really close. They look out the window and can see a faint glow of fire. Christina's husband, Greg, chats with the neighbors and prepares to leave, just in case they fill two cars with valuables and dog treats for Max. All the while, that fire in the distance, fueled by high winds, is burning much closer. Soon, it's right at the end of their street. Then all of a sudden, it was like just coming on so close that everybody at the same time decided to leave. They get in their cars and start driving. Their neighbors are all trying to get out, too. And the narrow road is clogged with traffic. Flames surround them. I was just, uh, thought, let's turn around. The fire keeps growing as they head back home. And when they get there, their house is on fire, too. So they go to the one place where the flames can't reach. So Greg said, let's just get in the pool. And it made sense because it just did. In their swimming pool, Christina and Greg are safe from the flames, but not the smoke or the thousand-degree air. There was such superheated air that try and breathe that was so hard. It consumes the oxygen before they can catch a breath. It burns their lungs. It's why Greg's voice sounds so hoarse. Greg holds their dog, Max. He squeezes Christina's hand as they dive under the water. Really, just those first 20 minutes, it's diving down. 
coming up. Um, sometimes not really getting any air at all, but just saying, okay, I gotta, I gotta go down again. They plunge into the freezing cold water again and again, just to get a break from the blaze. Greg watches as their dream home turns to ash. The fire's creating its own weather, whipping debris all over the place. Flying embers hit Max in the eye. And right then, it's like, you, you have time to hug each other and say, this could be it, honey. It meant the world because, oh my God. Because we were all together. At 11.30, authorities finally start sending out the first evacuation orders. Attention, Sonoma County residents, there is a large fire off Mark West Springs Road. There are several homes engulfed in flames. We are recommending that you prepare to evacuate your homes and go to safe areas at this point. That call goes out as the Wilsons are already huddling together in their pool, their cell phones melting into a pile of metal and splintered glass nearby. You're listening to a special edition of the California Report magazine. We're devoting our whole show this week to KQED's investigation of last fall's Northern California wildfires. My colleagues Marisa Lagos, Suki Lewis, and Lisa Pickoff-White spent months analyzing thousands of 911 calls to figure out why local and state emergency response systems failed to warn some residents on time. Take Santa Rosa, the biggest city in the region. It's home to about 175,000 people, but only about 1,200 people living in the hills above the city got that initial evacuation order. Most people woke up to a wall of flames. Let's join Suki now in the hills above Santa Rosa, where a sheriff's deputy is stumbling through the dark, choking on smoke, trying to get residents to safety. Sheriff's office! This is audio from a sheriff deputy's body camera. In the dark, two officers pound on doors, yelling at people to get out. Come on, she's disabled. They come across a woman who can't walk. All right, all right, let me get her feet, let me get her feet. They carry her out of her house to their squad car by her arms and legs. Watch your leg, watch your leg. Just around midnight, the officer gets on the radio to ask about a neighborhood to the west. Sheriff on San What have we done on Fountain Grove area? Hey, firm. We got to keep pushing the evacuations as far west as we can. As I said, Cal Fire. He's telling dispatchers they need to expand evacuations. We got to be ready to evacuate all the way to 101 in my mind. 101, a six-lane freeway that runs through the heart of the city, should serve as a natural fire break. He thinks. As the deputy drives out, he can barely see out of his windshield. It's just smoke and embers. Rescuers will not get to every door. On this night, at least eight people will end up dying along this road. Then, around 1 a.m., the fire rips across 101. 
Residents on the other side of that freeway in Coffee Park, a dense neighborhood well within Santa Rosa City proper, wake up to flames in the middle of the night. Okay, the field is on fire. It's moving quick. We're back. Okay, ma'am, 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 I need you to pause. Just a moment. Okay. I know you're scared. I'm, I'm sorry. I have to be short with you. We just have over 50 fires going on right now. This fire has been headed toward their homes for four hours. But as Lisa and I found out, few people here get alerts of any kind. Sonoma officials could have notified every single person with a cell phone in that area, the same kind of system that takes over your phone with those loud amber alerts. But that isn't their procedure. Instead, they choose to send another type of alert to specific areas that reaches fewer people. They do this in two ways, through texts and emails, using a system that people have to sign up for ahead of time. The county doesn't know how many people get those warnings because it doesn't track that. They also make calls to people's landlines, but only a third of those get through on the first try, and many phones aren't working by this point. The fires are moving 100 yards a minute, chewing through phone lines and downing cell phone towers in their path. This is Marisa. Up in the hills above Santa Rosa, the massive flame front has passed, leaving Greg and Christina Wilson, the couple who hid in their swimming pool, wet and freezing, their lungs burnt. I think I just did everything I could to survive, or, or try to survive, you know, and, um, uh, you know, I thought we would die. Exhausted and no longer able to support herself, Christina lies on a narrow concrete ledge. The deck around her burned away hours ago. You know, you're, you're kind of in survival mode. And I'm not sure my, my brain's even thinking of anything else. It's just watching that house burn. So now she's freezing because the water's like 50 degrees right there. I, I'm just in my shorts and we're just hugging each other on the ground. Then Greg hears something. Yeah, this low wail of a siren. I mean, it's, you know, it's just this low, quiet. And I'm like, honey, I think this thing's getting closer. And sure enough, um, I heard him come down the street here. And at that point, I just, I got up and I'm, I'm, I'm talking like this, but I'm just waving, screaming, hey. The Wilsons are saved by chance. One of their neighbors manages to call a cop she's dating who gets Cal Fire to save them. Rescuers drive the Wilsons and their dog Max to a hospital. Greg and Christina are put into a medically induced coma. They're covered in burns. Nurses prepare to move them to another facility because now the hospital's on fire. Their dog Max is alive, but is nearly blind. In these early hours of the morning, firefighters aren't even thinking about putting out blazes. As Lisa's going to tell us, they're just trying to save as many people as they can. And they only have so many firefighters. That mutual aid system where neighboring counties tap each other when they need help, with so many fires now burning, Cal Fire's Annalie Burlew says it's breaking down. 
Sonoma's depleted. They have a major fire going. They call Napa. Napa has a major fire going. They don't have any resources to send. They call Lake. Lake County is depleted. They have a major fire going. So they call their closest neighbor, Mendocino. Mendocino has a major fire going. They don't have any resources to send. Here's Sonoma asking for help. They need strike teams from Mendocino, 70 miles to the north. I need an any type strike team. Ma'am, like we have to nothing 10. to give you. Huh? We have no resources available. We are stripped okay. with our own fires. This is Suki. In Mendocino, Redwood Valley Fire Chief Brendan Turner is trying to deal with that disaster. Fires are threatening his small town. He's pulled over at the bottom of a gated dirt driveway, making calls for more fire engines. Smoke billows around him, making it hard to see. Then someone walks out of the darkness toward him. He had significant burns to his, his hand as well as his face. Um, and I, I asked him his name, and he kind of cocked his head to the side, which the, Brendan, why are you asking me this? Um, and that's when I realized that I, I knew whoever this person was. And when he, when he told me his name, um, yeah, my, my heart just sank. His name is John Shepard. He tells Turner that he got separated from his family. His wife and two teenage kids are still up there in the fire. You know, I, I know his family very well. I've I known his mom. I grew up with him. Um, know the whole family. And uh, that, was, that was hard. In a town as small as Redwood Valley, everyone knows each other. For his firefighters, those aren't just three victims up on the hill. They are their friends and neighbors. Uh, I was extremely concerned for the safety of the responders also. Turner has to make an impossible decision. And at one point, I had to kind of pull him back a little bit and, and say, we have to wait until um, this passes a little bit before we get up there. Uh, we're not able to help other people if we become victims. As soon as the flames pass, Turner sends his firefighters up the hill. Among them, 23-year-old Garrett Johnson, who also knows the Shepherd family. Garrett finds the mom and her 17-year-old daughter, Cressa. When we got up there, they were both um, conscious, alert, um, speaking with us. Um, so I did have high hopes for them. While they wait for an ambulance to arrive, Garrett and the other firefighters dress their burns and give them oxygen. It's still too dark and smoky to get a helicopter onto the valley floor to airlift them out. The mother was um, slightly declining. Um, as we were taking her off the hill. Um, from my assessment, I thought the daughter was um, the lesser of um, the two injuries. Um, turns out I was wrong. The Shepherd parents survive with severe injuries, but Cressa, an aspiring artist and a junior in high school, undergoes multiple surgeries and ultimately dies at a hospital. Her 14-year-old brother, Kai, who loved wrestling and the San Francisco Giants, he doesn't make it off the hill. The fires take a massive toll. They burn for weeks. And in the end, 44 people lose their lives. 
11 days after the fires start, nerves are still raw at this community meeting at Santa Rosa High School. A woman asks the Santa Rosa fire chief why she wasn't warned about the fires. Why was there no notice at the start of the fire? We have the EOC push out evacuation notices in the Fountain Grove area. People had a lot of hard questions for authorities, and we had questions too. So while Suki was still out in the field reporting on these fires, Lisa and I started asking for public records. We wanted to get our hands on the 911 calls from that night to get a minute-by-minute sense of what was actually happening on the ground. What we found was that there were long gaps between when first responders called for evacuations and when those alerts were actually sent out to people in danger. We talked to Aaron Abbott. He's executive director of the Sonoma County Dispatch Center that was taking 911 calls that night. We asked him about those delays and whether they could have cost lives. And I get there's emotions, right? And I'm, and I'm, we're like, we're sad about all the houses and lives lost as anybody, trust me. But, excuse me. But what you have to say is it's not an individual issue or decision. It's, this is a system issue, a system. We as a system have to like put this together, right? There's no question that first responders acted heroically that night. But systems broke down, systems that you count on in an emergency. The three of us went to the man in charge of emergency response in California. His name is Mark Gillarducci, and he's the head of the governor's Office of Emergency Services. Here's what he said when we asked him what he thought the failures were that night. Look, under extreme conditions, massive hurricanes, massive wildfires, things are going to be chaotic. There's smoke, there's debris, there's a lot of activity that's going on. Decisions are having to be made. Your premise is a little bit like, hey, what was the failure? That's how you started this conversation off. What was the failure? Your pretense is already that there was a failure made. The, the, the truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot of cascading challenges to have to deal with these kind of events. Let's be clear about that. But isn't that like what your office is all about? Like situations that are not the norm like I feel like we've heard a lot about how fast these fires were and that they're emergencies and it's like we're supposed to have a system that can handle or at least be somewhat prepared for an emergency right I would argue that the system did handle it and is prepared for emergencies we've got the best system that exists in the world in our ability to respond to these kind of events Gillarducci didn't want to call them failures but days after we spoke to him his office came out with a review of Sonoma County's alert system that confirms that communication systems broke down and that emergency responders weren't properly trained. The review also found that Sonoma officials should have used the wireless emergency alert system, those amber-type alerts that take over your cell phone. But Sonoma officials told us they were worried about causing panic and traffic jams. Gillarducci told us that there are changes coming. But meanwhile, here people are still mourning and have barely begun to rebuild. And fire season is already here. These days, it seems like it never ends. KQED reporters Suki Lewis, Marisa Lagos, and Lisa Pickoff-White, who spent months investigating state and local responses to last fall's devastating Northern California wildfires. 
Now the state legislature is considering a bill that would create one standard for sending emergency alerts. State officials are also working with utilities to figure out how to proactively power down the grid in an emergency. And local dispatchers are being trained about what to say to people who are trapped by wildfires. And that's the California Report magazine, a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our director is Susie Racho. Our technical producer is Seal Muller, with additional engineering from Rob Spate. Our senior editor is Victoria Mauleon. The California Report's editorial team also includes Erica Kelly, Ingrid Becker, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. Special thanks this week to Peter Arcuni and Sonia Hudson, who helped with our investigation into the Northern California wildfires. And to Brett Myers, Kevin Sullivan, Jim Briggs, and Fernando Arruda at Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. You can hear more of the investigation on this week's Reveal. Check out their podcast or tune in on your public radio station this weekend. You can also find maps and more stories from the night the fires broke out at CaliforniaReport.org. If you missed any of this episode, check out our podcast, The California Report Magazine. Just look for the logo of the bear wearing earbuds. I'm Sasha Koka. Thanks for listening. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2019 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvine.org. And Paint Care. Through Paint Care, paint manufacturers make it easier for households and businesses to recycle leftover house paint with over 800 convenient drop off locations around California. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in depth, long form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.